Nikola Jokic sits, and on top of it, the Nuggets play like absolute garbage. We'll talk about the loss of the Bells and why. I have takes. Adam does not. <laughs> I have takes. We'll talk about the Suns game and why you may want to make other plans tonight as well. Plus, going to need to talk about the floor for this team. This is Locked on Nuggets. You are Locked on Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Thanks for making us part of your day and joining us and making us your first listen. We appreciate you guys being with us on whatever platform that you are, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any other podcast application, or if you're catching us on YouTube and joining the live show with folks like Steve Wynn and Tommy and Fernando and Rui hanging out with us in the chat segment. We record this most mornings between 9 a.m. and 10.30 Mountain Time. Glad to be with you. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the Senior NBA Writer for the Action Network. Joined by Adam Mares from DMVR. You can catch all the pre- and post-game shows before every Nuggets game over at DMVR, as well as daily content. And you can check out the merch store where you can get great gear, like my Miko Rantan hey, finisher you. shirt, which is awesome. Love it. It's really comfortable. The designs are all awesome. Make sure to check out the gear over I got a DMVR app shirt, too. Well, better better to have Av stuff on today than Nuggets. Uh, on today's show, we'll talk about the loss of the Pels. Uh, I have some information, not like inside, just like some context for you to put that loss into perspective. Okay. Uh, and then in the second segment, we're going to talk about the Suns game and the strategy for the Nuggets in terms of what's going on with what their plans are, why they're doing the, why they're approaching this the way that they are, etc. In the third segment, I want to get into a conversation with Adam about. playoff performance and the variance thereof and how if the nuggets are not locked in or are on a high frequency what that's going to mean for them in the playoffs we'll talk about that in the final segment let's start with this um do you have the shooting numbers your tweet last night was amazing on the shooting numbers for the denver nuggets uh well my it was just the raw numbers that they shot in the game it was i believe below 40 percent for you know overall 15%, 15%, it was actually 14% uh, from three and 62% from the from the foul line. It was the weird combination of shooting overall, three-point shooting, and then also free foul shooting where you maybe can make up just a few points. They were off on all of them. Yep. Um, so after the game, Michael Malone was like, well, we didn't, have, we didn't have Jokic. He was just trying to get out of there. He was just like, we didn't have Jokic. Pretty simple as that. Uh, shows you, like He basically uses a pivot to like, this shows you why he's the MVP. Malone um, loves it, man. Malone loves the MVP. He really does. He does. Uh, you're right. You're. I thought about this, and you're right. Um. So here's the thing about this. The Nuggets are obviously limited and struggle without Jokic for a number of reasons, right? Like you're missing $35 million in cap space allotted to a certain player and an asset. He lifts the team the most. He's the most impactful player. He's been the most impactful player. He's a one-man offense. He makes everything work. The team's roster was constructed around him, all of this. Um, One other thing I will say that while I found the execution poor predictably and shows you the weaknesses on the roster um, when Jokic is not available on the floor. One of the differences between this and some of the games that they've won this season, and they are three and seven versus 
teams without Nikola Jokic this season. Some of those had other guys missing. Um, after the game, Michael Malone says, you know, um, he mentioned out of the blue, he said, well, you know, I actually didn't think that Contavious Caldwell-Pope was going to play. KCP was not on the injury report at all. <clears throat> Did not appear on the injury report. He said KCP was really under the weather, was not feeling good. I didn't even think he was going to play. Why did he? He wanted to go. I think it was probably just like he felt like he could play. And usually these things, I always assume these things are tied to bonuses. That's like always my assumption is like it's either the guy is just super competitive or there's a games played, minutes played, or points per game thing that they're trying to trying to hit or total points, right? Yeah. Um, Vinny Benedetto of the Colorado Gazette also noted that Peyton Watson had been on the injury report with a non-COVID illness. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you that have, having been in that building, watched that game, Bruce Brown after the game was like, I'm a little tired today. I don't know why. Oh, no. So I'm going to tell you right now. Look. Oh, no. I'm going to tell you, guys, I don't make excuses for teams. Like, it's just not something that I've done. I've been like, you go out there, you got to play. Like, yeah. that's how it goes. In this specific one-time context, I'm just going to tell you, I feel pretty certain that the Nuggets are sick. All right. And that's I've why been... they shot, like, absolute garbage. Because, like, even, 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 the the furthest you can get on the scale of, like, this is how important Nikola gets, you still don't get to Michael Porter Jr. shooting the way that he did last night. And the entire team missing that many free throws like yeah. Aaron struggle from the line this year. Fuck. You know what? You know what? I'm going to go ahead and confirm this one, or at least I'm going to, I'm going to agree with it. I'm going to say likely. I like this theory. I hadn't heard it. I knew KCP had was sick, but I didn't know this about the rest of the team. So uh, I can't explain like you could say, okay, bad shooting nights happen. No Jokic wasn't there. They did still get open shots that they missed. But the free throw shooting is the one to me where I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't affect your free throw shooting. And yet there they were. So I like it. Sickness. Yeah, that's it. We're done. Uh, Daniel West says, Matt, don't tell me you got everyone sick. I have been outside <laughs> of Asian for like a week. Okay. I have bronchitis. That is a different thing from the head cold I have is over. I would not have gone to the game. I actually, I will tell you, I actively do not go to games for this reason. Um, because I'm just like, it's, I can't risk impacting the outcomes of sporting events by being like patient zero. Like right, I can't, right. I, if they're going to get sick, they're going to get it the normal way, which is by going to shotgun willies. Um, <laughs> Jeff Morton notes nuggets went to the mile high dreams gala on Tuesday. Everyone could have gotten sick there. Uh, someone else in the media room mentioned that as well. They mentioned, so the, they were like, the Hey, sickness, you know, yeah. the abs also looked like trash versus the Minnesota wild the other night. Man, what a <laughs> you're right, Matt. You do have takes. This is great. We're here. They did look like trash against. And I don't know if you saw a video. There was a video that came out of Michael Malone and KCP answering questions with the Nuggets social team. Michael Malone looked like he was enjoying the Dreams Gala. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I can't Vic, believe this. this Vic, Vic, Vic Lombardi was like, guys, really? He's like, these are professional athletes, and you think the only opportunity that they have. That's so true. To go out is this is the gala with the so and, and season ticket holders, really? Right, but I was right. like, no, no, no. You've got this one night when everyone's out, everyone's together, and they're with other professional athletes because they're with the Avs. Right. Like you saw the video of Jokic like hugging uh, Nate. 
because it was hilarious because Nate's tiny next to Jokic. Yeah, yeah. Like, so I'm just telling you, this whole thing, whether, you know, maybe maybe it wasn't even like a, a hangover-inspired thing. Maybe it really was just like they went to the, to the gala, somebody had a bug, they picked it up, and it's in the locker room. But to me, it like that makes more sense to me than the Nuggets just can't play basketball at all unless the Cole is on the floor. When like they if they lost last night, sure, fine, okay, you know what? This shows you like how important Jokic is and how limited the roster really looks if you don't have that central component to raise everybody's ceiling. Right. But like shooting like that, the way that they looked in that game, really rough. Um, well, you know what? I'm in on this. You've sold me. It was the Dreams Gala. They were hungover. They were a little sick. A little sick, a little hungover. Yep. We can move oh, on. Jokic. Oh. I mean, come on. Uh, from actual basketball stuff from the game, I will say, one, the biggest kind of thing going around the, the media contingent is like, is Aaron Gordon going to be able to put this together for a playoff run? Mm. Uh, Aaron hasn't looked right in a long time. And he has dealt with a shoulder injury, a rib injury, um, I think a neck injury and a children rib and he's having a lot of those things and he has not looked the same. He, Aaron is also the one that in the beginning of the season, when he was killing it offensively, I was still like, man, he doesn't look right defensively to me. Like he's just not locked in. Like he's not making an impact. And he, like, I talked to him and he was like, we know what we can do. We just have to get on the same page and we're going to get it. We're going to get there. And then they did. And I like, that's the question is like, can Aaron, can Aaron Gordon flip a defensive switch in the playoffs? Because Brandon Ingram torched him, just absolutely cooked him. Bruce Brown can't guard him. KCP honestly can't guard him. He's too, too tall. He's too right. big. The only guy who had any success last night was Christian Brown. That's it. He's the only guy that had any success. If the Pels wind up in the eighth seed, that's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only from the perspective of having an individual defender to defend him in ISOs, but they felt very comfortable and teams are doing this a lot right now. They are going after Jamal Murray. Murray's the target. It's not MPJ. It's yeah. Jamal. Well, like Murray, Murray got to see last night what it's like. I mean, this is the truth of yoke too, right? When yoke is the offensive hub going at him, whether he's good or bad, is just smart because it's exhausting. And I think last night Murray had to be the guy on offense and he had was getting targeted on defense. It's a really tough combo. Um, yeah and so i'm just saying that to say i don't know that murray is going to be like the they can't get stops with murray on the court the way you fear of like a michael porter you know in years past or what have you i don't think it'll be that and i also think he'll probably have a little bit more in the tank when he has his running mate setting the table for him well let's um let's let's kind of reconfigure it instead of from a, a what is let's look at it from a perception standpoint and what i mean by that is if teams are running what they've done in the last couple of games against, which is like they're switching everything that's one through four, one, one, five, Jokic plays a variety of, of schemes. If they're switching everything and they're getting Jamal on the block and they're, this guy's getting buckets, whether it's on ISOs or post-ups on right? the block. Yeah. Like uh, Murray's fine on the block. I think Murray's fine on the block. He's had trouble the last couple of games with just because like the turnaround post-up jumpers. I'm yeah, not he's, about he's like, yeah, but he's good at that. And plus, like, to be – how many players are good at that? Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant. Yes, those are two guys you might go against. Only those two guys have a postgame good enough for me to – like, just in general. And then I think Murray is a well above average post defender. Okay. I, I don't disagree with you. I think he struggled 
that's been historically I've, I've seen over the last couple of games that be more of an issue. And one of my concerns as part of that is if a guy hits enough shots, the defense will start to react. And that's when you're going to have breakdowns, right? It doesn't like, because this is a big thing I've always kind of talked about is look, they're not actually averaging that many points per possession. Like you're fine. You're winning this matchup. Like you're trading about 1.2 for 0.8. You're winning here. But the feeling of it is like, we got to help because this guy's on an island. I can't leave him, leave him in an island. He's been scored on three times. And once you start doing that, that's when you get ball rotations and open corner threes. I'm just like setting the table for this is something that you want to keep an eye out as the playoffs go on. Okay. I'm not too concerned about it, but except for, like I said, those two guys are really good. They're the, probably the best in the NBA, KD and, and Kawhi Leonard. So those guys might go off. But I don't know who else he would think about. Luca, Luca can play out of the post a little bit. LeBron. I'm not know if I'm as worried about LeBron in the post. Hmm. Um, I feel like I have more to get into this game, but we're already we're already late. So up next, I want to get to a few more notes from this game. We'll talk about the the Suns game. See, I told you I was going to carry today. I told you. Yeah, You're I think like, we're running I have... out of time. We'll see. We'll see. I'm pulling. A... I, I like the conspiracy theories. They were fun. I like those. I'm pulling rabbits out of a hat here to get us through the show. We'll talk about more about this game. We'll talk about the Suns game and how no one's going to play. We'll do that when we return. First, I need to tell you about the Ultimate Basketball Pro Basketball GM. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. It's the coolest game you're, you're going to play in a long time. If you've always thought you could be a great NBA GM, you can find out now. If you've had the same thought and you want to know how to manage your own basketball franchise, go and download Ultimate Pro Basketball GM right now. The game allows you to manage every strategic aspect of a franchise, flying through seasons and leading your franchise and fans of glory as you build a historic dynasty. In the simulation, you're responsible for dealing with challenging personalities like players and coaches that play Jeff Green 18 minutes in a row, hiring the right coaches and assistants, training and training players, making draft picks, navigating your franchise through free agency and the draft and all the ups and downs of multiple seasons. All this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is completely free and playable offline. Play on the go as you want and when you want to. Locked On Nuggets listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo Locked On in the game store, so make sure to check it out. To download the game, just visit probasketballgm.com. Scan the code or look it up in the app stores. That's probasketballgm.com, ultimate pro basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. We'll be right back on Locked On Nuggets. Back here on Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for joining us, making us part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us. A um, couple more things from that Pelicans game. So I will give you another take, Adam. We will not see Thomas Bryant again this season. Oh, I think we will. Tomorrow night or tonight. <laughs> we will, we're going to see him tonight. There's only like seven guys <laughs> going to Phoenix. Do you think he gets a DNP tonight? I wouldn't be surprised. There's no way. It's not Thomas Bryant. Malone was so he tell, take me this. Malone was frustrated at him after the game, it sounds like. After the game, Harrison asked him, you know, Thomas Bryant hasn't been able to get going. What is it that you think you need to basically they think the question paraphrasing was like, what do you need to do to get him going? And Malone said, I have no idea. You're gonna have to ask him that. I hate that. I hate that answer. He never does that. That's the point. Whoever right? throws a player under the bus like that, man. No, that, but that, was, that this was is a the bad thing. But this is the thing. How many times has he ever done that? <laughs> you you think Thomas deserves this? No. <laughs> like, that's what oh, I'm saying no. is, even well, if okay. your player is horrible, even All if right. your player is horrible, you protect them. Just like, you know, I got to find a way to get him go or whatever it is, even if it's just token. 
I agree with you. hundred percent. Ask him. Like that's yeah. like crazy to me. I, I, I agree with you. hundred percent. 100% do not disagree with you. But who has more leverage in this situation? Right? Like it's more like indicative of like, if this is where Malone's at with him, that he's not going to protect him when Malone is like thrown himself in front of like everyone. How many times did I hear him throw himself in front of Bones? A million yeah. times. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Cause I know I'm so protective of Thomas Bryant, not because I like him, not because I think he's a good player, not because of this, just because I'm protective of bigs who I think get a raw, a raw deal. And I think he gets a raw deal. I mean, he touches the ball maybe five times a game when he's on the court. Like that's it. Yeah. And it's just so hard to fit in when you are a guy that is like, we don't have to pass to this guy under any circumstances or, you know, can, can care about this guy. But let me just give you some numbers. Thomas Bryant was the most efficient two-point scorer or top three in the NBA coming to Denver. He's shooting 46.7% with the Nuggets. His career, his career with the Lakers this year, 65.5%. With the Nuggets, 46.5%. The year before that, 62%. The year before that, 65%. This guy is an efficient player. Like, if you have to say, like, tell me what is the draw to Thomas Bryant? What's good about him? You'd say, well, he's a really efficient scorer. He's he give him touches around the basket and he scores at a very high rate. He's been horrible at that with the Nuggets. So I just look at this and I go, to me, the idea of, oh, I don't know, just ask him. And then everybody being like, Thomas Bryan is terrible. He's a horrible player, this or that. I go, he wasn't before he got here. He was never this bad. And, and, it, and honestly, there's uh, so many players that you can say this about, like, oh, that guy's terrible. He'll never... Come on, man. He's overrated. This or that. They go somewhere else. And they're playing good. And by the way, you're going to hate this one because I'm in between on this one. Bones Highland's on a nice little run right now. Nice little I run. I, I, I agree with you yesterday. I was Bones has been playing great. Like my, my thing was not that Bones is bad. My thing is just like it, it's a bad fit. It's not working. Like, but this is my point. Thomas Bryant's a bad fit now. I, I yeah. just my whole thing is. I don't think that – I think that there is something, too. You take Jokic out, there's a lot of players that all of a sudden look terrible. You put Jokic in, there's a lot of players all of a sudden have a career year. There's something – and I'm not trying to say it's a coaching thing. I'm not trying to say – I'm just saying there's something about Denver in this era that players come here, and if they play with Jokic, best years of their career. If they don't, worst years of their career. So I my question for you, then, is like you said, like, I don't know what it is. Like, do you not, or do you have a theory that you that about, like, what do you think? I don't is? think it's fair to say – like, oh, this is just an example of a bad coach who doesn't know what to do. Like, it could be some of that. It could be that the Jokic system is so unique that a team can't play that and then segue to something else. I hate that theory, but it is possible. Like, look, man, it, it people have pointed out that Steph Curry has had similar issues. Like the Warriors have had similar issues in the Steph Curry era that they are often significantly better with him, and it's a unique style and a unique impact. So I probably I think it's probably a lot of these things, but what I don't think is that the simplest answer is often, well, that player is just trash. He never Fair. was. He never was before. He is he now. He'll be again. He'll, he'll go somewhere else, and Thomas Bryant will be good again. Um, good example of this, honestly. Bryant finally makes a defensive play, and like Bryant's bad defensively. I'm not arguing he he's he's good. I'm not arguing he's fine. He's bad defensively, but he makes a block last night. Like big man actually got a stop right, and he runs the floor, and he's down the middle of the lane. And Murray looks him off and, and puts up a three-pointer. I'm like, you've got to reward your big in that situation. But like, you don't, though. This is my point. You do spiritually, right? And that all players are equal and like this or that. But you don't with Thomas Bryant. You just don't have to reward him. And this is another theory I have with Thomas Bryant specifically 
is that you have to play through Jokic when he's on the court. And players are happy to because Jokic always rewards you. But I do think there's a level of, I dribble down the court, I have to throw it to the big man. I just have to, every time. And when he's off, I don't have to throw it to the big man. And in fact, not only do I not have to, I never will. I'll just never give it to him. Thomas Brown, I'm telling you, just watch him if he does. If you do see him again. He's so clear he doesn't know where to be because he's a scorer. His best talent is scoring. And if he's not getting the ball, he's just kind of like, well, do I go over here? Do I do this? No, I think he should be rebounding better. I think he should be just hustling better. Like, it sucks, but I've, I'm, I'm a big guy. I've played with a lot of players that are like, yeah, we're not passing it. We're not playing through the big. And whether it's right or wrong, you have to be like, okay, well, I'm going to do this then. I'm going to get my points on offensive boards, and I'm just going to yeah. score it this way. And he hasn't done a good job of that. Yep. But to me, I also look at it and I go, there's so many times where he has open in the pocket, rolling to the rim, and it's like, we're not even looking at him. No, we don't have to do that now. Yeah. Like, they're just not. Like, it's just not. There was one last night where Jamal kind of, he got himself into trouble and made a difficult pass where it was like, good job of not, of like getting the pass there, but it wasn't clean enough. And then Thomas bobbled it because it was a yeah. tough pass. And then like, after, I will say this too, like, because it, that goes as like a turnover on Brian. It's like, oh, how can you not catch that? But then like the next time that when there was a stoppage, Jamal goes up to him and is like, hey, that was my fault. So it's all these little things. Um, but yeah, it, so there's, there's our mixed results here. Cause it's like bones Highland, but then you all can also go like, look, JaVale McGee is unplayable in Dallas. Yeah. But he didn't play in Denver either. What? He didn't play in Denver though. Right. JaVale didn't come here and fail. He just came here and didn't play. Yeah. Um, I think the only players that played well off the bench, if you really get into it are Plumlee and Boogie. And I think that those two guys are like Jokic in that they have the skill set yeah. that can be perimeter oriented. And I, and I just wonder if that is what it is. Again, that lends theory to the Jokic is such a unique player that you can only play one system. And so you just got to find the closest Jokic that you could find. Snell is right here. I think the Murray TV chemistry was cooked off the first play where they both tipped in a self bucket. Yep. Would, there's never been a more fitting first play of a game. Yeah. I was um, like, oh, that's how this is going to go. All right. Yep. So yeah, that's where they're at tonight. Um, okay. I want to throw one more theory at you for the bench though. What if Jokic is a spiritual vampire and is just absolutely sucking the life force from the bench? Because again, the better that Jokic gets, the worse the bench gets. What does that mean though? Oh, it doesn't mean anything. I'm literally. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I'm trying to like figure out like. No, I'm just look, making a joke. Like just literally a vampire theory. and sucking the life out of the bench. Um, I, I do wonder though if there is something to like when you're on a team. I wonder if this stuff spirals. Like when you're on a team, Jokic is always going to have or always has had great numbers on the. Like if you're playing with Jokic, you're going to play well. And I do wonder if it like creates this. It's extra hard now because I'm trying to keep up and I'm looking even worse. I don't. I don't know. I, look, man. I don't know. I just know that there's a lot of good players that have not played with Yoke that have gone on to have good careers. And there's a chance that the Nuggets are going to face a few of them in the playoffs. Um, I want to hit this real quick just because like, it's a com common question we get. Um, Colby says, can we get Boogie off the couch? Brandon says, Boogie would be a massive upgrade over Bryant. That's just facts. Boogie Con Bo Cousins is not in the NBA. Boogie Cousins' career is probably over. Boogie Cousins will not be signed by the Nuggets. You can put this aside. Like, it doesn't really matter how you feel about it. You can feel like they should, but I'm just, if you want to know, like, could we do this? They will not. That will not happen. You feel confident? Do I, you agree with me there? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I won't say he's not going to get signed by a team because I will, I mean, we'll see. But not getting late in the calendar, the, the, the sun's <laughs> getting real low on that, on that proposition. You know the best time to sign Boogie though? 
probably a game 82. <laughs> like Boogie, it's a, what's the minimal amount of time we can bring him into the locker room? <laughs> so I kind of get it. What are we looking at? I'm trying to look up. Um, in order to retain his postseason eligibility for a new team, a player must be waived on or before March 1st. There's like a there's a time in which you have to be able. Uh, it might have passed. To be remember. to be signed. To be uh, eligible for the playoffs. Yeah, April eighth. So there's still time. So there you go. Okay, you can still bring in Boogie. Um, hey, right. let's put it this way: Would you worry about Denver's chances more against, say, the Lakers if they signed Boogie? Yes, I agree. Um, I gotta get to the Jeff Green question too. There's so much from this game for for being such a nothing. There's uh, not much to this game. You love this stuff. What? <laughs> it's like esoteric. Like you're like, we, what can we draw from this game? I don't think there's really no. There's not. There. Like I'm not with you. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm doing this literally just because I'm like, oh, it's like a challenge. Like what can we take right. away from this nothing game yeah, where yeah. clearly they did not care? Like I asked Bruce Brown about it last night, and he was like, well, because he was saying. I was like, why don't you pay much attention to the standings? He was like, we don't really pay much attention to, to the standings. And I was like, oh, why not? Because like you're, you know, if you're trying to figure this stuff out, what what's the mindset that goes into that? He's like, well, honestly, we have just such a lead. And I was like, oh, so like yeah. you do look at it. You've just seen that you're very likely to get the one. Um, Can I? There's a good point here. Noah Tucker, another, a fellow tall guy, by the way, another a fellow tall says, can't wait for Kamigate. I'm worried about this, Matt. What me. did I just say? Does well on the bench. Guys that have a Jokic-esque skill set can pass, can play with a fulcrum or whatever because it fits the style that Denver is used to playing. Kamagate can't shoot, can't dribble, can't pass. He's really just a rim-rolling dunker who's a really good defender. I worry about him next year just because, like, look, it's going to be a rookie player coming in, young guy, and the fan base has just these high expectations where I'm like, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. He does. He fits the profile of a guy that's going to come in here and not fix a bench unit that's never been good. Counter. We'll see whether or not he has the same coaching staff. Oh. So, uh, uh, real quick on the Jeff Green thing. Here's what I will say. Uh, Jeff was one of six last night. That's not good. But MPJ was worse. All these other guys mm -hmm. were terrible. No one could hit a shot. Everyone was sick and hung everyone was sick and hungover. Jeff Green's been good the last month or so. Sorry, guys. Jeff Green's been good. Like, I think Blacko should play. Do you, you think he had a four-game stretch with zero rebounds, Matt? Like, he's been uneven to me. Jeff oh, has thought, had some good I, moments. But, he but has like, been look at his rebounding. Like, I think the last, like, last night Last night was a good rebounding game. But I felt like I feel like he's gotten a, a – because this is we've been commenting on this because it's such a thing. That I mean, the four-game run was not that long ago. It was, like, three games ago. Okay. I feel but, like Jeff's been good the last month. And so, like, I'm not saying that Jeff has to be in the rotation. Like, I think they should be playing Blacko. I think Blacko should have played last night. 100%. My point is just like the Jeff Brown, Jeff Green is the, like, he is literally like the source of every, everyone's like, if we're losing, it's because Jeff Green's in. No, guys, they, they shot 20, like a 0% from three. What are we doing here? Like, no. Um. So anyway, why don't we, oh, I have another segment I want to get to, but we got to talk about the Suns game. We'll do, we'll talk about the Suns game on the other side. And I got to take, I need to bounce off of Adam. Okay.
uh, before we get out of here, because I'm, I'm making Adam take a longer show than this game honestly deserves. We'll do that when we return on Locked on Nuggets. But first, I need to talk about FanDuel Sportsbook. The tournament's heating up, and there's no place better to get on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. You can wager on anything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. We'll be right back on Locked on Nuggets. Back here on Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for joining us and making us part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us. Adam Mares and Matt Moore with you on a Friday. Adam's going to be with you on a post-game show after the Suns game. Do you want me to take that one for you? Because, like, it's going to be another, like, complete waste of time. Um, Tomorrow morning show? (laughs) Yeah. So the Nuggets last night, Malone set the table. When asked about who, like, Mike Singer asked right up front, who's going to be traveling you know, what's the decision process looking like there? And he said, well, you know, first off, obviously worried about Jokic, you know, with a yoke, with the, with the, the calf, like real worried about it. And then mentioned like Jamal played 37 minutes tonight, which I think I'm just, it's hilarious to me. Cause he's played in like 42 before and then been like, yep, he's going to go on Wednesday. <clears throat> but, but he basically forecasted that Jamal's not going to play. Sounds like KCP feels like hell. So it doesn't sound like he's gonna go. I would not be shocked if we are if it is like one starter for the Nuggets. Ooh, who would it be? Michael Porter. Not it shouldn't be Aaron Gordon or KCP. It shouldn't be Jokic and Murray like out. So I think like those that those have been the guys that they've been like. If they die, they die. Like that's I think how Michael they- Porter would be the only guy that might play tonight. But even him, I'm like, I don't think they'll play him. I don't. I, and by the way, it might not travel. A lot of this is won't travel. With oh them. yeah, they're not even going. Yeah, you just stay home. Yeah. So I think gonna- you know what's weird though. Here's my take about tonight's game because I don't think any of those guys play. I do think there's a chance Michael Porter does. He seems to really love playing. I, Michael Porter, you got to give him all this credit. A guy with three back surgeries. But he hates missing games if he's healthy. Even if it's tired, rest, whatever, he hates doing that. And I kind of tip my hat to it, even if I think it's foolish. I appreciate when guys want to play, want to do their job. Um, tonight's game might be more interesting than last night's. I didn't, I wouldn't have thought that going in. But if you're going to have a punted game, you might as well get Peyton Watson out there, get Jack White out there. Like I might as well see those guys. It's more interesting to watch your prospects lose a game than your starter or, you know, your key guys lose a game. I mean, it's a letdown spot for the Suns. They're, they're undefeated with KD. It's a Friday night where KD's second, KD, KD's second home game. I, you, typically, yes, but not tonight. Tonight's a party. Yeah. You don't think? I mean, I think so, yeah. This is the second game he's ever played in Phoenix. Yeah. And it's a Friday night. The crowd's going to be crazy. Well, I, I was trying to support you on, like, the idea of, like, oh. that they could compete in this game. <laughs> Right. So, like, are they doomed or not? Denver? I think they're doomed, yeah. Okay. But I'm just saying it's more fun to be doomed when you get to just watch your prospects run around and do stuff. That's true. Yeah, um, we'll see if Peyton Watson is healthy enough to go, if he's feeling good enough. There needs to be Blacko minutes, just needs to be. Um, this is one of the problems with playing Jeff so much last night, though, is, like, 
I'm like, you should not be playing Jeff on this back to back after you played that many <laughs> minutes last night. Like, that's not a good idea. Yeah. Um, so it, let me ask real quick. Gerardo says, I joined late. Um, is it possible that Vlaco just ran a foul of Malone or teammates? No, that's not it. Nope. Nope. It's just stubbornness and bad process. I'm willing to say that. So he knows more about coaching than I do, but I, based off of, off of my life, <laughs> it's, I don't think that that's a, that this is the right process. Um, I want to talk to you about the floor for this team. Okay. Rob Mahoney made this point on, on the Bill Simmons pod yesterday <clears throat> and it's accurate, which is one of the problems is the, so the nuggets have had some games this year where they've shown that they can win different ways. There's been few of them, but there's been some, right? Like they've had nights where they've actually won with defense and Malone's really stressed about how important that is. They've had nights when like they've, they won three games without Joker, Right. They've they've had all the or when Jamal's out or MPJ's out or or these different things. The problem I think is the average performance for them when they are not in an ideal spot as far as combination of at home motivated shots are going locked in like unless all when those things come together the Nuggets are legitimately maybe the best team in the league. Like, they can play at that level. Okay. The Bucks have a lot of nights in the playoffs when they don't hit that level and they can win anyway. Sure. And so, like, here's my thing for you. It's just like, <clears throat> can the Nuggets how – many, how many series can the Nuggets win? Like, how many games are they going to have to get, like, that level of play out of because when they start to dip, it becomes really concerning about how vulnerable they are defensively when they are not. And they can't just like rely on the offense to get them home. Well, this is, this is what you're really getting at in my opinion, which is Denver, I think scores easy all the time. I mean, they've only had a few bad offensive performances all year. They score with yokes in the lineup They just score. So it's not that, it's the other part, it's the defense. So the question, Denver doesn't defend easy, they have to put effort into it. So your question really, when you talk about the inconsistency, I think Milwaukee defends easy, they have that. So to me, it's more about if you believe that Denver's defensive limitations are less important in a postseason because they can put more effort into it, to me that's the variance for when they play well, when they play bad. That's where their floor comes from is, they have to try hard on defense, and for 82 games, they're only going to try hard like 30 times and maybe for portions of, of 40, 50 games. So for me, that's that's what that variance is about, and I don't think it'll be as big of an issue for Denver like in the playoffs. It's still an issue because their defense isn't great, but I don't think it's going to be a thing of like, did they just not feel like playing tonight? Was the defense just wasn't locked in tonight? I think the defense will be locked in, and it'll be what it'll be. Why? Because those games matter. The Denver and the games that have mattered this year have played their defense. But how many times have we seen not just the Nuggets, but other teams just like they just didn't have it? Like we see that in the in play playoff series. Uh, I don't. I don't think we'll see. It. I don't think we see it in the play playoff series. I mean, I, I will go back to Utah game three. Yeah, but I don't think that was effort. I mean, if you think about Utah game three, here's here's what really happens in that series. This is Michael Porter's. Was this his first playoff? It might have been his first playoff. Yep. 
they get torched in games one, two, and three defensively. They bench Michael Porter heading into game four. They play significantly better, but they still lose. They lose by like five, but instead of a blowout, it was a close one in game four. Then they win five, six, and seven. But to me, that was a, they had a young player who's bad defensively and at that point was really bad getting targeted and the whole team just fell apart defensively. But it was, there was like a direct reason for that. By, by the way, also no Gary Harris. So no Gary Harris and Michael Porter in that spot. And again, when those things changed in game four, the series changed. I think I'm just concerned that they will be more vulnerable. Like their margin for error doesn't feel as high as it should be for their place in the standings. That's the best way to like, this is all couched within like trying to put them on the level of a one seed that should be the favorite. They're not the sons are the favorite, but like that's that this is where I'm coming from. This is not like, are they actually bad? This is just like, I'm talking about degree of comfort and margin for error. I think their margin for error is in line with a 53 win team or 54 win team, whatever they end up being. The fact that that happens to be a one seed this year is the part that's the anomaly. That's a good point. And 54, point 54 win. Right, like this is going to be the fewest. Somebody has been sharing this with me that this is going to be the fewest wins by a West one seed in like forever. Yeah. And, and they're, they're more in line. 53 or 54 wins is usually a three seed, maybe a four seed in a good year. And that's where I think they're more in line with. The thing is, all the teams below them are below them for a reason. Right. So it's like they have a better chance of getting out of the West because the rest of the West isn't as good. But, but the East, I'm, you know, here's another take, though, for you. It's not oh. like the East has this powerhouse. They're going to have two teams that reach 55 wins. That's not exactly juggernaut status either. And I look at this and I just go, Milwaukee's really good, but I think they're a good matchup. Like Denver, I think I've, we've talked about this. I think Denver matches up well with them. Boston and Philly to me are like Denver. They're like Denver. They're really good. Yeah. They're not, they're not like, oh my God, this is like a all this is gonna be a crazy matchup. And then I go to the West and then I go below that. And I like the Cavs. I think they're interesting. But to me, the Cavs are like the Grizzlies. They're like the Warriors and the Clippers. They're good teams. So I just look at that and I go, I'm not sure the East is quite as good as like that much more overwhelming. They just have three teams that we consider contenders, but two of them are on Denver's level. The Bucks are the Bucks are the one team that maybe is like a hair above that. Yep, I, I agree. I agree with this with that assessment. I want to point this out from from Hurricane. Um, how many teams can beat good teams without their A game or some reasonable facsimile? You mentioned Milwaukee, but are they beating Boston, Philly, or Cleveland without an A ish game? The thing here is, so like here's a good the the way I'm kind of I'm trying to think about this is if the Nuggets play a C game and the Warriors play a C game, what does that look like? Because if the Nuggets play an A game and the Warriors play an A game, I legitimately think Denver wins. But if the Warriors play a C and Denver plays a C, I kind of think Golden State wins. I think what you're finding here, I don't know about that, but I, I, just because I, I mean, I don't even know how you'd quantify that. I think what you're hitting at here, though, one of Milwaukee's talents is that they play hard. I think it's easy for them to play hard. And in part because athleticism translates to playing hard like if you're hyper athletic they're a very athletic team with Giannis Giannis is able to play hard more games than any other player is able to play hard outside of maybe John Morant Russell Westbrook you know those those types of guys and so I just think you get you get a level effort more easily out of those guys and that's really what you're seeing here but I don't think that change in the playoffs I don't think that's true okay all right 
good discussion. I wanted to bring it up. I wanted to, to, get, to talk it out with you. All right, let's uh, wrap it up here. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Adam will be back tomorrow to recap the Suns game and get you some delicious Peyton Watson and Ish Smith, DeAndre Jordan pick and roll uh, breakdowns. Uh, make sure to check out all the stuff over at DMVR. We'll be back on Monday to get you caught up after the Warriors game. Should be a good one on Sunday. I think the Nuggets probably will go for that one. Uh, we'll talk to you then. Make sure to hit us on Twitter if you got questions at Locked On Nuggets. We'll see you guys again next time. Have a great weekend. We'll see you again on Locked On Nuggets.